Welcome to Investing for Ocean Impact, the podcast making the business case for conserving our ocean. I'm Dorothy Hare. The world of finance still tends to be dominated by male figures, while conservation is often seen as a women-run activity. That said, we do know that local women often play a crucial role in implementing nature-based solutions on the ground. In this episode, we are unpacking these power dynamics and discussing what it will take for the finance system to really change and empower and benefit women. We'll also discover how young female entrepreneurs are taking matters into their own hands. Today, I'm joined by Lorena Aguilar, Executive Director of the Kashak Institute for Social Justice for Women and Girls. Hi, Dorothy. Nice to be here. Thank you. As well as Anga Mbeya, founder of East Africa-based seaweed company Ole Blue. Moloeni, happy to be here. Lorena, let's start with you and talk a bit about the conservation angle first. What kinds of roles do you see women usually play and also indigenous women in ocean and coastal conservation and restoration actions today? Women are playing such important roles when it comes to coastal conservation and restoration today. They're really agents of change. And you see them all around the world conducting different type of activities. Some of them have to be to restore coral reef and mangrove habitats, uh, for example, or really cleaning of oceans and beaches in, in different parts of the world. So they're really, really involved at all the different scales when it comes to these type of projects. The problem is that they're not necessarily seen And probably one of the most important and more visible work that you hear, it's what they're called environmental defenders. The majority of these environmental defenders are indigenous women, and they're really at the forefront of these type of activities. And the reason that they are at the forefront, Dorothea, is that conserving nature for them is a matter of life and death. For them, is their primary source of survival for themselves and for their families. So you see them really, really at the forefront of these type of actions worldwide. Anga, is that similar reflections that you share that Lorena just said about? She's 100% spot on. Women continue being caregivers, not just to their families, but to the environment as well. You see it from the restorations that they're working on. You see it from the farming techniques that they're doing and how they keep the economy circular. So they really live up to the purpose of being a woman and caregivers, not just in business, but to the world as a whole. But Anga, does it happen? I mean, do you have the same feeling that they're not seen, that they're kind of invisible and not recognized, and that, that a lot of the projects do not provide technical assistance to the type of work that they're doing? Mm, 100%. It's great to see seaweed, in particular, taking center stage now, because it's led by women. So I'm hoping now people like you and myself can help these women be visible in these conversations, in board meetings, and also investments, that people invest in what they're doing and um, not in just a 
a small level, but commercial. Let's commercialize them. Let's help them. And I think having global conversations like this will definitely lead to that um, change that we want to see. So, Lorena, have you seen this new entrepreneurship in sort of, yeah, women and girls around the globe when it comes to coastal action and ocean conservation? Yes, Dorothea, they're everywhere. I can give you some examples. Uh, there is a project, for example, that is called Fragments of Hope in Belize, and they're working to restore coral reef and mangrove habitats, as I mentioned before. I mean, that this is a role that a lot of women are playing. But this has, it's a win-win uh, situation because, for example, it has allowed uh, women to have a better earning. On, I mean, they usually earn like $2 a day when they work in hotels and other type of things. But this work typically brings around $50 a day. That is very important. So at the same time that you are promoting women empowerment and gender equality, you're also making sure that you're conserving nature at the same time. And then you have, for example, in Peru, a project that is called Life Out of Plastic, L-O-O-P. And this is conducted by very young women aware of the coastal plastic pollution and how this threats the health of marine ecosystems and surrounding communities. And they have this wonderful women-run business that sells recycled products and organizes our Rainy's activities about plastic pollution. So those are two examples from this part of the world of Latin America. Great. Well, then over to Africa. Anga, tell us about your example and your entrepreneurship. Okay, the journey this far is that I'm currently under a fellowship program called TECA, and they choose high potential individuals like myself who want to turn their ideas into profitable ventures. And what we're currently working on is the east of Africa, the coastline, and particularly seaweed and mangroves. So what we're hoping to do is that all these educated Africans that have been put into one group together, how to help these indigenous women to scale up sustainably and commercially. We're trying to use technology now to scale these nature-based solutions. So that is something that is going to be very important with also adding commercial value um, to this industry, as Lorena has explained. So there's a big, I think technology has the potential to scale up these women's incomes to higher levels and I think dignified incomes really creates a ripple good effect in households in Africa as well. So if we have stable incomes, we'll have stable households and stable households will produce amazing African leaders for the next um, generation. And that is your, your company, Ole Blue, right? Ole Blue, yes, 100%. Ole Blue will be moving into Kenya and hopefully Tanzania soon. So, yeah. Can you explain a bit what you have in mind? So the plans um, currently is adding traceability. So what we've picked up in um, seaweed farming in the industry is that they're using a lot of books still, like writing everything on a piece of paper. And that information can get lost sometimes. But now what we're trying to do is kind of create this golden thread of what's happening from the farming process to the processing. And by the time the consumer gets it, all that information has to be recorded online and available. And this is why we want to tap into technology and traceability. And then another angle that we've been thinking about is 
financing infrastructure. So what we've picked up is that a lot of women can't tap into loans or financing, and we want to help these small-scale farmers to get access to um, financing. The, a lot of women in Kenya want to go deeper into the water, but they don't have access to boats. We want to finance them in them stage. Also, the drying um, standard of Kenya is not up to par. So also want to help them with financing those um, sectors of the drying sectors as well. So financing and traceability are on our top two agenda for the East Africa. Quite impressive. Lorena, do you agree? Oh, incredible. I mean, it's like music to my ears <laughs> to hear this type of initiative. <laughs> this is precisely what we have been asking for, for so many years. And to move away from this idea that everything that has to deal with women at the community level has to be micro and little and just for household consumption and just the backyard or the chicken or the pig. So listening to Anga's uh, idea is, again, like music to my ears. It brings a big smile to my face to hear these type of initiatives. But also, I mean, Lorena, you've been in this uh, business for quite some time. So when you hear about this, you know, leveraging the billions, which is quite mm. exciting, how do you match these billions with the opportunities and the capacity on the ground? Where do you see the hurdles, but also the needs? Well, I mean, you're definitely raising one of the main problems that we have right now when it comes to access to financial resources by different groups, especially women and, and women organizations on the ground. The first thing is making them visible because at the moment, sometimes they're very invisible. And when projects do come in, they don't provide technical assistance or even have these type of women as possible people that are going to be involved in any type of initiative of conservation and restoration because they're kind of invisible for them. So the first thing that we need to do is to really visibilize women, understand the role that when we said fishermen, no, it's fisher people, for example, <laughs> and that they are part of a value chain and that they are involved and you need to understand what are they doing, what are their capacities and what are the actions that can really be funded. But again, Dorothea, if, if you try to come to these uh, women groups with this idea that everything engaged with women, as Andrew was saying, is small and petite, and you're only going to give them like $500, you're just going to continue sustaining poverty. That's what you will do. So you really need, as you do with men, I mean, some of the men also in these communities have never managed important amounts of resources, but they invest in them and, and go through training and capacity building. But definitely making finance simpler and easier to access is important for both women and men at the community level. But aren't we also potentially having the risk that there's too much money too quickly put into communities that might not have had the chance to leverage such uh, amounts before? Angai? Um, I definitely think money is needed to scale and it's needed in infrastructure. That's what's the one thing we need to channel money into in the industry. We need the woman having commercial space to store the seaweed, have commercial lines, and this will take them to new heights and new levels. And I'm hoping that investors um, believe 
not just in the community members, but also it helps the environment. Uh, seaweed is amazing for the natural habitats and also um, helping with coastal erosion. So it's not just for women, but definitely for the environment as well. So it's a circular need for Africa and the rest of the world. So yeah, that's what I could say about money. And investors not, must not be shy, <laughs> must not be shy to invest in ventures um, that want a better yeah. Lorena, do you agree? Yes, I agree. But I think that there is this analysis process that you have to conduct, Dorothy. I mean, the groups are not prepared, all of them at the same time, at the same way to receive millions of dollars at the same time. I mean, I don't think even us, if we received a million dollars to invest in something, we will need support. We will need guidance. We will need, yes, I mean, but it cannot be a rule that if you're giving money to the women, it has to be small because they don't have the capacity. There are women groups that have higher and bigger capacities. I mean, I'm just thinking about these women in Israel that has this company that is producing the most sophisticated wave capture to produce electricity. That is a group that is ready to receive incredible amount of investments. And from there down to women in coastal areas in some small islands. Yes, but there is a broad scope. And as in any other type of investment, you need to start analyzing when, how much, and how they're going to support this group. But the golden rule is that all of these organizations, women or men organizations at the community level, will require support. And sometimes not even from specialists from marine coastal issues, but from an administrative and management point of view. Because Dorothea, we do not necessarily are good managers of money, those of us involved in the environmental sector. So we also need that expertise. I I also definitely think when it comes to money being invested into this industry, it's not just dropping off this money and seeing what you can do with it, but it's dropping off this money and being invested in your investment. So we want people that really partner with the farmers, partner with local communities um, every step of the way and not from... um, a linear approach, but a very circular approach, like be considerate of what's currently happening on the ground and how can you improve that? Because what we've seen with a lot of projects in Africa is they fail because they don't know the social economic problems or the social um, dynamics of that particular country. I think if we stay considerate of what's happening and knowledgeable and work hand in hand, that definitely will close the gap in in failing, in failing projects. Um, So definitely that's That's what I could say with investments in Africa. And how do you solve anger? I mean, starting such a new enterprise and venture is quite a big risk. How did you sort of take that decision or did you have friends or colleagues? How how did it come about? Um, The journey for myself was I've always wanted to help. I've actually been an entrepreneur in heart. So my first sustainable (laughs) product I've ever done was selling rocks. I used to paint pictures of rocks and sell them to people and put them, put a smiley face. And I was eight years old when I did that. So the entrepreneur journey for me is in my veins, in my blood. But now it's exciting to see how I can incorporate that with seaweed. But what I'm trying to do now is 
really partner up with key individuals that I look up to and companies that I think they can really support these initiatives. So I find myself in working groups. I'm part of the Safe Seaweed Coalition um, group. I'm part of academic groups. So we keep the conversation going and I tell them about my journey. So I really have great support systems of mentors, fellowship programs like Teka. And I think that's going to help my journey in entrepreneurship if I yeah, stay open-minded to learning. And this is also what sort of, as Lorena hinted at, maybe supporting the more administrative and financial questions. Definitely. 100% she is, yeah. And this is true, Dorothea, for any business people that you talk to them. There was always a beginning and they needed to learn and they needed to grow. So it's, it's the natural process. It's quite a, a remarkable because I think still we tend in, in the ocean finance conservation community to talk about the de-risking vis-a-vis the private investors and sort of how can we help them. But I think it's also really entrepreneurs like Anga who are taking the risk and who we need to help further to sort of build these new ventures and, and enterprises. So I always take my hat off, uh, Anga, for people like yourself sort of really taking this hats on in, in the field. But maybe uh, Lorena will take a step back a bit more into the structural system. What do you think Thing still needs to happen on a higher level to, you know, bring the capacity, find the right sort of amounts, as you say, for the right groups at the right time. Is there still a, a higher level structural systematic change that we need to see? Yes, and we're starting to see it, Dorothea. And I'm going to talk about some of the financing mechanisms, for example, associated with environment and conservation. Uh, for the past years, like uh, the green climate fund and the environmental facility and the adaptation fund, all these funds that had been created to provide resources, uh, they have developed gender policies and gender action plans. So that is very important because now none of the projects could go without this lens. Let, let's say that. But I mean, we know that paper, you can write anything on paper. So yes, <laughs> the policy is there, but you can add anything on paper. Now what we need to really support is the how, because it's not just by seating women in a meeting. It's beyond that or involving women and in doing crafts or small things like that. It requires a thinking of what does it mean to work on the economic empowerment of women and to promote gender equality. That is one of the goals that the world has agreed so it's the how, how can we bring conservation, combat climate change, biodiversity loss, environmental degradation, hand by hand with promoting gender equality and women empowerment. And that is uh, the type of thinking that we need. And it's very similar with what we're saying about uh, finance uh, capacities in some people in the environmental sector. These needs to be a lens that people bring. And I can only refer like when we were trying to tell people 40 years ago that community participation was the right way of doing things and not only thinking that my knowledge was the only one that was important. I think that we're at that stage. And I will have to say that somebody that doesn't understand what gender equality is, is like being an internet illiterate. I will be ashamed of saying that. 
Anka, I mean, you're obviously very much engaged on a local project level, but when you look at the bigger scale, you know, what do you think along the lines that Lorena outlined in order for efforts like yours to really be scaled and make a bigger impact both for the environment and social? How do we bring that out of the sort of band eight solution box and really, you know, move this up a level? Um, I want to see Africans actually processing the seaweed and selling it in Africa. So a lot of the seaweed is actually currently being exported, but it was amazing to see in Kibuyuni with the current group we're working with is that they farm it, they dry it, they process it, and they make all the products right on the farm. And I feel like if we continue with this system, we'll see proper change because most of the money that the women are eager in was in the products being made. So that commercial added value, if we see more Africans being interested in seaweed and eating it more and using it in their daily routines that can take Africa to new heights. So that's what I'm excited about. I think more marketing, more awareness around these products and the importance of it um, will take Africa to, we just want to change the narrative for women. So we don't want to export this beautiful produce only, but we also want to make it ourselves and use it for ourselves as well. Very strong point. Yes, indeed. Well, we talked about the different levels, but maybe, Lorena, a last question for you. Do we also need more women in the boardrooms of the financial players to take the right decisions? We're 50% of the population of the world. Why should we be out of any decision body? If it is conservation or if it's financial decisions or peace in the world, whatever it is. But one important thing, Dorothea, is that we women are not all the same. We need also representation from the diversity of women, women from color. Uh, not only white women uh, should be part of this board. I mean, and again, it's important. Don't, don't put all the women in the same bag because we're very diverse. So when we come to representation in uh, boardrooms, we need representation of women in all their diversity. And yes, again, I mean, why should we be left out? It will be illogical to leave uh, this force that we are. Couldn't agree more. Anga, any final sort of, in you know, really powerful, enthusiastic voice that you are to the world of continuing um, on the road that we embarked on? Mm, I'm a firm believer, honestly, in faith and hope. And I think that I'm so hopeful in Africa. It's, you know, it might be looking like a dire situation where we're going through a climate change, but I'm still so hopeful because seaweed is a nature-based solution. And I think um, we just need support in various angles um, in terms of marketing, product development, infrastructure, government support, and also just the community at large. If we have people using products, as I said, it would be great to see them tapping into this industry a bit more. So yeah, that's what I can say. Believe in Africa and Africa will do its best. <laughs> mm. Thank you both so much. I mean, Lorena, it's really always, as Anga said, an amazing privilege and pleasure to speak to you. And Anga, I think you will be moving um, more than just seaweed, I'm sure. So all the best of luck to you and your colleagues for the entrepreneurship and the endeavors that are about to come. Thank you both very much. Thank you, Dorothea. Thank you. Thank you so much.
A big, big thank you for this episode to Lorena Aguilar and Anga Mbeia. Hearing this discussion between a veteran voice for gender equality and a young African entrepreneur does tell me that change is possible and gives me a lot of hope for the future of women in ocean finance. Next time, we're discussing the topic of ocean economic accounts. What are ocean accounts? Why are they important? And what relevance do they have for unleashing and channeling more finance to ocean conservation and nature-based solution? Investing for Ocean Impact is a fresh air production on behalf of IUCN, the International Union for the Conservation of Nature. It was produced by Phil Sansom with production assistant from Anthony Hobson. To find out more about the subject, visit our website, bluenaturalcapital.org. I'm Dorothy Herr. Thank you for listening.